Hello, and welcome to the MXU Worship Podcast hosted by Stephen Brewster. Each episode features great conversations between Stephen and all kinds of worship leaders, from the most prolific songwriters from prominent churches to folks you may have never heard of. Either way, we hope that these resources and conversations will encourage, equip, and empower you to be the best worship leader you can be. Make sure to follow and subscribe to this podcast, too, so you can stay up to date on all of our episodes and other resources. Welcome to the MXU Worship Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Brewster. So excited to be with you today. We're going to share a little bit today about what life is like leading worship in New York City. I think worship is different in every community, and there's different challenges. There's different opportunities. New York City is a unique one, though. And today we have Hannah Ray from C3NYC. She's going to tell us a little bit about the worship culture they're building there, the challenges that they have, how COVID, COVID and the, the pandemic impacted what they do. And I think it's going to be a really, really valuable uh, conversation for you today. So I hope you enjoy it. Um, if you enjoy it, I would love for you to take a minute and just share this podcast with one person. Just find one person you can text it to. Mean the world to me and to the guys at MXU if you could do that. So without further ado, let's check out this conversation with Hannah Ray. Welcome to our podcast today. I'm so excited to introduce you to a friend of mine. If you don't already know her, you will. Hannah Ray Balk from C3 NYC and C3 Worship. Thank you for joining us today. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks, Peter. And you live in New York. I mean, we're all jealous, you know, <laughs> like every worship leader is like, wait, you can lead worship and live in New York. So that's a pretty awesome thing. But you're not from New York. You're from Atlanta, Georgia. I am. I'm a Southern Belle in the North. Pray for me. <laughs> what do you think is that like what's the biggest what's the biggest difference between like growing up in in Atlanta and now living in New York City? I think it's the pacing. Um and people talk a lot faster here. Yeah, they do. They do. No, they do. There's no twang to their voice either. There's none and and they make fun of you if you have it. Yeah. Um so <laughs> I think I've, I still, I think I've lost it a bit, my accent, but it, it might come out on this podcast because. Let's hope know, so. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you're, you, you're, you're part of C3 NYC, which is a, a great church in New York city. You got a couple campuses in New York city, and then you also campuses globally and uh, also in Philadelphia. Am I missing any campuses? No, you're good. Um, Paris and Berlin are the ones globally. Right. And then. Yeah, you're right. Philly and New York City. So we're at. So what's it like to lead worship in New York City? Like that's it's gotta be different than um, I mean, every place in the country is a little different because people are just a little different, like geographically and colonially. But what's what what's what's it like in New York City? Yeah, it's a great question. Um I think we really Maybe I'm sure it's the same in other cities as well, but I think in New York, uh, I mean, I grew up going to going to church my whole life where Mm -hmm. church is kind of cultural and here it's not cultural. So if you come to church, it's it's a big deal. And a lot of times people aren't, didn't grow up um, in the kind of church environment that if they did go to church that, you know, we're um, providing. So I think that, um, it's like a lot about teaching people how to worship. Um, they might not be, a lot of times they're not familiar with the songs or they're not even familiar with 
what a worship experience is. So I think what's cool is there's a lot of authenticity um, and it can be people's first time experiencing um, God in that way um, or his presence. But a lot of times it's us having to teach people, um, you know, why we worship and why we raise our hands and uh, what does this song mean? And why do we sing this song out versus another song? And um, even repeating a lot of songs so people can learn the, the lyrics. We always think about how are people going to be able to um, learn these songs because uh, we want it to be understood by people from New York and um, easily learned so that they can sing it out. Cause we have so many new people walking through the doors like every yeah. Sunday. Um, well, and yeah. that's one of the things that we learned, like, so I've, I've gotten the pleasure of being part of the journey of C3 worship for a couple of years now. And the New York is a transient place. People yeah. don't stay there forever. And so, mm-hmm. so it must be, it must be challenging at times to continue to build your team and to, to build a culture of worship. Um, what, what are some things that you guys do? That, that you feel like are, are unique to, to your church to build that culture. Like I, I know one thing you said was like frequency of songs is, is you sing songs a lot more frequently than maybe a church in the South might, but is, is there anything else that you do to culturally build worship culture in yeah. your church? Yeah, I think, um, I think, I think our church does a really beautiful uh, we want to live a life of worship, right? So I think that, um, I think that with our just we have rhythms of worship within our even our staff culture, as well as um, we provide rhythms of worship for all of the team people in our church that are like members that are involved, like within our team. So a lot of teams will have like individual like worship nights, awesome. uh, which helps create um, intimacy and just um, personal encounters with the Lord. Uh, We want to teach people how to have worship um, in the mundane on their own, not just on a Sunday. Uh, Our all-in team nights are a monthly rhythm we have for um, everybody's welcome to come. That's not even a part of a team at church, Mm -hmm. but those are usually when we have longer worship sets and um, there's more time for us to have um, movement in the spirit. and we have that once a month. And I think that really teaches people how to like sit in God's presence and uh, learn how to worship in, in that environment, have space for it, make space for it. And yep. within our worship team specifically, we have uh, monthly or every other month we have in what we call encounter nights, which is just for our worship team. And uh, we just flow um, and allow our team to uh, worship together because um, if we don't know how to develop um, personal time of worship in our own lives. Like it won't, we want it to be authentic. Sundays are just an overflow of what's already happening behind yeah. the scenes. So, yeah. Well, in New York, I mean, obviously there's such an energy, a creative energy. Um, it, it, it must feel weird to slow down in worship in a city that's known for going, just always going fast. Yeah. You know. Um, I love, I love that. I love the, I love what you said about rhythms of worship. Um, you know, that's, that's so, so powerful. Now you guys have, you're, you're a lean staff. You guys work like very intentionally. How do you develop a team in New York? Like uh, it's hard to develop a team in the South where everybody goes to church 
because that's what you're supposed to do. I can't imagine what it's like in New York City to have to develop a team. So what are some of the challenges that you face? And then how have you guys kind of solved some of those challenges? Yeah, I will say, I will actually start with a positive. Uh, if you don't. I think that a positive being in a city um, where it's not popular to be a believer and it's not culturally within people's rhythms is that there's an, an earnest, like an earnestness and like a spirit of like um, excitement about serving God um, when you discover him uh, because it's authentic. And they, a lot of times if people, people come to our church, they experience God for the first time. So they're new believers. So it's very passionate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that if you are a believer and you move to New York, um, then you kind of, you have a calling to like minister to the city. So I think uh, joining a team or like serving, which is basically just serving in your church body, uh, you kind of have a, you have already like a, a mission mindset. Like you're, you're here for a reason to serve the city. Um, so people have an eagerness to uh, jump in already. It's like heightened. It's not just like a weekly rhythm or a social club. It's um, a kind of, it's a bigger mission. It's like a calling. So something that um, just on our staff and at C3 NYC and, and then especially in our worship team, I always tell my team, I'm like, you know, our goal is to empower you to see the gold, the gold inside of you and the calling on your life and um, worship team of serving, you know, on the band and singing or songwriting. That's just a part of your calling. Um, And for some of you, like, that's like one outlet, but there's like our goal is to help you discover like that in the rest of your life as well. And this is just like part of how you're building this house. Um, So I think that that's, people are so eager to jump in because they understand that like mission mindset. Um, And I think that, but like what, one of the challenges is um, in a city like New York, yeah, is the transient, like people are transient, like they come in and out. Um, but I think we have to flip the coin and say, all right, we're a part of your journey here. So our goal is like, whatever we teach you to carry here on this team um, with worship and pour out, like our hope is that you carry that into the next season of your life, yeah. the next city you go to. Um, a big challenge in building a worship team um, is when people are new believers um, or when people are believers in a city like New York, temptation is real and it's huge. Um, and people are, it's easy to be infatuated with like what the city lifestyle can offer. Um, you know, money, fame, riches, uh, party culture, uh, weekends, yeah. all that stuff. So I think people can live Uh, are used to living maybe a lukewarm lifestyle or a lifestyle where, okay, I go to church on Sunday. I love God. Like that's a big deal. But like, how do I bring that into um, my work as well as like my weekends and what I do with my time. And um, people even lack conviction around uh, living a life that's holy and set apart, which is what we really call our team hire to do. Um, Just as believers, we want to be all in, especially if you're on the front lines and you're a worship team. So I think it's really teaching um, our team uh, like the weight that they carry um, and the why, um, like we're why we're called and we're holy and we're set apart. And I think that's a that's been a challenge just just because people aren't convicted naturally in that mm-hmm. way. Um, 
or they've never because they've never been taught it or they're just used to living like a dual life um, and they haven't had accountability before. Um, so we've been learned, we've learned Matthew and I, my work co-worship director, we've learned, okay, how do we impart love, but accountability, um, accountability and love. And, and then even we don't know it's a big team. We have like 80 people. So it's like, we just have to trust the Lord, um, with highlighting things that need to be brought to the light to us. And we want our team to feel safe to bring things they're struggling with. Um, and you know, we don't want a perfect team, but we want an honest team that is humble and willing to, um, bring things to the light and, uh, surrender things to the Lord. So, um, yeah, that's, that's definitely been our, our biggest challenge in growing pain, but God's been, um, teaching us how to carry it well and bringing a lot of healing through it, which has been cool. It's so awesome. It's so awesome. Um, well, and I think like even, even Matthew's story, like, you know, Matthew's from Ohio and he moved to New York to be on Broadway, which he is. And then he also is the worship one, like the, a co-worship director. So like, there's not many churches in America that have someone who's on Broadway also on their worship team. So very true. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very unique and um, like fun, but really unique thing, you know, that it's that, that, you know, in this season, that's what life is like. So, um, tell me a little bit about like creating music or for your church. So like, obviously on this podcast, we talk to a lot of people who create original worship music for their church. Um, you guys are doing an amazing job navigating the function of worship, but how did you guys get started in creating original music? And what did that even look like at the beginning? Because New York's filled with people who are there to create original art anyway. Yeah. Uh, I think, so I came on to this role when they, after they started and developed uh, the leaders before me, like a songwriting culture. Um, and I think that I know, I know that pastor Josh and Georgie really wanted, uh, songs from our house, uh, to come up and minister to our people. Um, and I think that it started probably, hmm, I want to say like 2017, uh, 2018. And I went on one of the first writing retreats when I wasn't, mm-hmm. um, I wasn't on staff at the time and it was just beautiful. Like, um, I think that no matter where you are, uh, like the Lord, like wants to write it, like wants to, I say like writing songs, it's like writing a love note, like to the Lord. Um, but based off of a ch- like a church body, you have similar experiences. So you're writing from similar experiences. So the, what you write is going to be, um, relatable to the people that you're around and you're doing life with. So yeah. I think that, um, yeah, the journey was like starting with like small writing retreats. And then, uh, when I, like we got more involved and we met you, uh, we got to start going to Nashville and like songwriting there as well, uh, with pros who are just amazing. Um, but I think it's been beautiful to see like through that, like God's like drawn people in our house that actually have a songwriting gifting. And, um, yeah, I just think our testimony is like really influenced, like Yep. the weight of what we're writing. And it, it's special. I've seen it, especially, um, as we started releasing music and doing like live recordings, it just, it amazes me the difference of like 
when we started trialing our songs, like in services, like um, how our songs like really unlock something within our congregation versus like maybe songs from other teams, simply because like God's giving us downloads of what's right. going to minister to this house. Um, and especially, especially coming out of um, the last like two, three years or two years of you know, pandemic and New York going through a lot um, like worship has been, and our personal songs has like, have like been like the most healing when we, um, we had our first live recording, uh, of our songs, um, after, right after pandemic, I think it was 20, it was 2020. Yeah. 2021. And it was powerful. Like we, I've never experienced heaven in a worship set like that before. Like there was just so much joy. Um, as a church being able to sing together like our own song. So I don't know. That's my general answer, but it's just been growing <laughs> and the momentum that's been happening. has been really organic and it's just, um, it's crazy to think that in 2018 I was writing in an upstate cabin with like, um, team with team and those team members are still members of our church and are still here. And from that journey till now, we've been to Nashville writing with other writers and, now we have a 16 song like album coming out, but like in our archives, we have like 30 plus songs and, yeah. um, which is just really beautiful how God was like, I'm just going to like open this and like, let it be an overflow. Um, because you guys are open to writing what I'm putting on your hearts. So, yeah. Well, and, and I think it, for, for anyone who hasn't created an album before the, the, the lie that you want to believe is, we just have to um, write 10 songs and then that's going to be the album. And the reality is you sometimes have to write a hundred songs to get to 10. Yeah. And, and what I love about your journey, but all, just the journey of worship leaders in general is that every time you write a song, you learn something new, but you also learn something new spiritually about yourself and your church and your culture and what fits and what doesn't fit and what's your voice. And you guys have worked really hard to refine that. Um, you talked about the album coming out. So let's jump to that. Um, I love what you guys feel like God has given you for the album. So talk to me about revival days and what that means. Oh man. <laughs> I know this I just opened, I just opened Pandora's box, right? <laughs> oh, it's so good. But I think this is like a great question following the first one. Cause it's like, okay, practically, what does it look like? How do you, how do you yep. choose songs for your house that you actually want to release? Cause I think to your point, a lot of times we can write songs that are more personal and maybe just relate to like your testimony and what you're walking through. But it, uh, also when you walk into a right, um, it's always great to ask the question, okay, Lord, like, what are you doing? Like in our house right now, like what songs do you want to write like through yeah. us to minister to our house? And like, what are you doing in this season for our house? So revival days, which is the title of our life project. Um, revival days is a song that we wrote like three to four years ago. Um, and at the time, and we've released a few, um, projects before, even now, but we didn't want to release the song revival days because it didn't feel appropriate at the time. We didn't think we were actually like stepping into that season um, of urgency, like for a church. We just felt like it was kind of this like gem of a song uh, that came out and it just didn't feel like the right time to release it. So I think timing is everything. And um, yeah. So when we were praying about the album, we wanted to 
release it earlier or start doing a live project, big live album earlier, but because of life, pandemic, et cetera, it got pushed till this year. And um, by the time we were looking at all of our songs, like 30 plus songs, uh, God just started to highlight what songs were ministering to our church, uh, that our song, that our church was loving singing out. And even just thematically, like under the umbrella of revival days, what he was doing, I was, what inspired me personally, um, was, I just think like after such a heavy season that we went through as a city, like God, uh, was telling our church, like was definitely clearing out our church and like rebuilding. and. Um, when you have conviction and you desire, like you learn how to desire like God's will and like a pure desire for him when you suffer. And I think our church went through a lot of maturing uh, because of the painful past two years and a rebuilding. And the, as I was praying in the album, the Lord gave me a download where he said, I'm doing a new thing within your church. And he kept um, highlighting Isaiah 43, which says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Um, we'll make rivers in the desert. Um, and so when he gave me that download, um, he was, he gave me like a picture and there's been a lot of prophetic words over our church, uh, during the season that we've just come out of, you know, like New York city's in the storm and there's a lot of warfare happening. Um, but in the picture and then the storm, you know, rain comes and then it waters the land to like where it's fertile. And it also like clears out, rain clears out all the clutter and all the distraction, like what's unclean. So mm -hmm. I feel like our city has come out and our church has come out of a crazy storm, but now like the ground is fertile and ready, um, like for revival and for God to plant new things and bring a harvest. So, um, yeah, our journey with revival days was, um, uh, really just God confirming that message over and over again um, to me, to Matthew, to Pastor Josh and Georgie, our team, through people praying for us and speaking into our church and even, um, yeah, just what we were seeing like on Sundays, like there's a new hunger, like we're having fresh encounters with the Lord, like more of his presence and more like divine, like healings and like moving in the spirit, like more than we've seen ever before. Um, in our church. And I think, um, it's just, it's a miracle, honestly, that we're standing after the last two years we've been through. Yeah, and, um, totally. I think that we, to see God, people have a fresh hunger, like to join small groups and dinner parties and like say yes to Jesus and to experience him. Cause I think New York has been humbled and they realize like, this city doesn't have a lot to offer at the end of the day actually has nothing to offer. <laughs> like none of the things we wanted or depended on worked before. So people are so broken that they're like looking up and looking for answers and looking for healing. And, um, so I really believe like the ground is fertile and people are ready to hear about Jesus and all of our songs, um, kind of, go under that umbrella of revival days, even thematically, like there's a lot of water imagery, a lot of like, mm -hmm. um, like earth, like, um, language, like, you know, Oasis and, um, wave and my, uh, my whole world. And, um, it just like, wasn't coincidence that the songs we'd written over the past few years all fit so beautifully under this umbrella of revival days. And, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. So God's That's amazing. <laughs> now, it's so, so powerful. And I, every time you tell the story, I love it. 
I love to hear the story. Um, two things you said during that answer, though, that I need to, to to dig into. Number one, what's the biggest difference? I mean, New York, every every city, every team, every community has been, you know, affected by what happened with the pandemic, right? I think New York and LA, maybe Chicago, Miami, maybe like some of these bigger cities, it 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 was totally different in those cities, right? And so um what what's the biggest difference now for you guys leading worship post pandemic as opposed to pre-pandemic? Yeah, I think I think your I think our church has been our church, a lot of people find Jesus through our church which is so beautiful. Um, but when you go through suffering, there's a maturing and either you walk away from your faith or you, you stick it out and you actually lean in and learn who God is, um, on a deeper level. Um, and I think that now worship is different for us because we're the people that have stayed and chosen to, to say yes to the Lord, um, yes to being a part of his body in the midst of like trial and suffering, um, choosing God when it's not easy. Right. And I think that, um, because of that, like there's a maturity on our team and on our church body now, um, yep. to say, no, I'm going to choose God even like when it's really hard. Um, yep. and I'm going to choose to stay in New York and like love this city, even yep. when like financially it, it's more expensive. Um, or when it was completely shut down, it was uncomfortable. You couldn't enjoy what the city usually had to offer. Like restaurants were shut down. Like um, everybody's afraid because they're all wearing masks and uh, you can't do literally anything. Church is hard to happen. Like church couldn't happen. Like big groups gathering. Um, we had to learn to do church with opposition for the first time. Right, right. And like as Westerners, we're not used to that. Um, and like, are you, and New Yorkers, especially like we love comfort and we love convenience. And if it's like nothing, if it's not close enough to us, like in our neighborhood, like people aren't going to go like to something right. far away or challenging. And so when there's so many barriers to go to church, um, if you're showing up to church in a pandemic, like with those barriers, like you really care. <laughs> so right. I yeah. think that that just like, it just changed the game. Um, people were willing to suffer for their faith and suffer for Christ. And there's a lot of fruit that comes from that and, and maturity. So I think that that's really what, um, it, it hurt our church and the fact that people couldn't handle it. And they were like, this isn't for me. I'm not, I don't like this. Like, I don't like Christianity being hard. Um, but and then, and God's view and our, my view now, I think it was good for us because it actually, um, yeah, it made our faith more real and we became more sold out and more unified as a body to like suffer together and withstand the challenges. So that's amazing. Okay. Also you mentioned dinner parties and I think this is something that's so unique to C3 church and you guys have actually, a lot of other churches are now taking this, uh, this idea and this concept and using it in their churches. I, in fact, I was, I know pastor Josh was just in Nashville couple of weeks ago and spoke. And then I saw that church release that they're launching dinner parties. And so tell everybody what a dinner party is. I love dinner parties. Um, a dinner party is 
a party. <laughs> so it's dinner and a party. <laughs> wow, that's revolutionary. Wow, wow, great, great. <laughs> but it's like, it's different than a small group. So everybody, you know, um, it's usually the, first, the rhythm is that it's midweek and um, there's actually, it's just hosting and getting to know people and it's open to anyone. Anybody can come. And then after like an hour of mingling, getting to know people, eating, having a meal together, everybody sits down and we, we talk about um, Sunday's message and just break it down together. Uh, but it's a discussion format. It's not um, like a Bible study format uh, where people feel like they have to prepare to walk in. It's more about learning how to unpack the word of God together um, and um, make it open for people that don't know God and maybe don't even go to your church. So from our perspective, dinner party um, is people's like first experience before they even get to Sunday. Um, So we believe that just, I think that's how Jesus had his ministry. He um, went to a lot of dinner parties with non-believers and um, just spread the gospel that way. And that's what we want dinner parties to be for our church. Um, we believe like we have to build um, our faith and uh, community through relationships and um, around the table. The table just breaks down barriers and um, people feel hospitality, especially like is in New York is such a gift and so rare. Um, it's very rare for people to open up their homes. Um, it's a big ask actually, um, cause our spaces are small and it's hard to fit a lot of people in it. Um, but we, it's been really beautiful, like how touching even that act of hospitality is to people in New York, like it's super rare in an urban city. So it's been cool to see community built through that. And, um, you just meet so many different people from different walks of life. If you have an open invite to, you know, a dinner party to the table. Um, so I've been doing it for five years now and I've never stopped and it's been powerful. So that's yeah. amazing. Okay. My last question for you today, then I'm going to let you get back to the busy life of New York city, but what do you hope people experience when they listen to this record? And and maybe what are a couple songs? I know what my standout songs are, but I'm not going to say those. What are maybe a couple songs that you just feel like God's really ministered to you through those songs? And then what do you hope people experience when they listen to the record? Um, for revival days, I really hope that it restores hope in people's hearts, um, and belief, um, in the expectation that, um, um, Jesus is restoring and healing things and he, he keeps his promises and he will restore and heal things within their lives. Um, our prayer is that he restores hope, um, grows faith in people again. Um, and the belief that like we are living of living with a kingdom mindset, um, that the works that um, Jesus talked about and Jesus performed and the disciples lived um, in the New Testament, like we get to live and experience now um, in our daily lives. Like let's live and go after it with that same faith. Like God is doing a new thing. Like let's do the Jesus stuff, you know, let's right. not just live in the mundane and in the, yep. reg- and the regular. And then, um, yeah, so that's my prayer. Um, and then songs that really mean a lot to me starting to see is my favorite song. I think on the entire record, uh, because it talks about seeing seeing God, um, in a place of pain or, or doubt 
or when things aren't perfect or even the breakthroughs not happening. Um, it's a lament song. And I think there's something really powerful in choosing Jesus when you're sad and experiencing him um, when life is hard and not to be afraid of that space, but inviting Jesus into it. I think the promise of that song is uh, that Jesus, the, what gets us through a trial or the valley is knowing that Jesus is with us. I think that's why it's so beautiful when Jesus said, never will I leave or forsake you. Like, don't be afraid. It's better that I go away because my Holy Spirit's going to be with you. And I'm closer than you even know. And I'm always available when I'm going through a trial. Like, I just want to know someone's with me and to know Jesus is with me and near. Oh my gosh, it's the best feeling. So I think that song really ministers to me and it can minister to people that are going through heavy seasons of doubt and hurt because that's the pain that we came through the last two years. So I think there's a lot of healing power on that song. And then of course, Revival Days, the title track is um, another one of my favorite songs because it's such a face song of what I believe God's been doing in our city and what he's going to continue to do here and globally in this season. I love it. I love it. Well, Hannah Ray, thank you for today. Thank you for taking the time to to spend with us and to share a little bit about life in New York City, being in ministry and what that looks like, and also about this new album that I can't wait for people to hear. So so thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Stephen. You're the best. Have so much fun. Wasn't that an awesome conversation? I love the idea of dinner parties. I think dinner parties are such a cool thing, such a a disarming way to get people into community. And community is such a big part of what they're doing at C3NYC and and how they're building their culture by having worship nights just for their worship team and having the opportunity to um, develop worship culture inside of their team. So uh, I hope you can maybe apply some of those things to what you're doing at your local church and it helps you build a better culture for how you guys are doing worship in your churches. Um, If today's podcast meant anything to you, if you learned anything, if there was anything valuable in it, share it with one friend that you know, one person that could maybe use this encouragement today or use this, uh, these resources. So if you could do that, it would mean the world to us. We would love it. And make sure you tune in next week when we have another podcast episode with either a worship leader, you know, or maybe one you don't, but I know that God has something to say to you in every one of those conversations. So make sure you tune in again next week.